guys, it's Pragya. And Charlotte, and welcome back to Campus HQ. This episode is part six of our series, Eight Voices Season 2, where we help you create the life you want by sharing unique stories of industry leaders and professionals who are fulfilling their most daunting dreams. We're welcoming guest speakers from a wide variety of professional backgrounds to show how you can use college as an opportunity to elevate your personal goals and ultimately achieve success. We'll be running the series all throughout February and March, and we are releasing new episodes twice a week, every Sunday and Wednesday. So follow us on Instagram at campus.hq and whichever podcast platform you're listening on to make sure you don't miss out on all the content. Today, we are so excited to have John Towers on our podcast. John is a partner in institutional sales where he covers accounts in New York, New Jersey, Maryland, and the United Kingdom. Prior to joining Moffitt Nathanson, John worked in institutional sales at Sanford C. Bernstein & Co. for 17 years. Earlier in his career, John worked in magazine publishing for Harris Publications. John earned his BA from Denison University, his MBA from Fordham University, and he's also a CFA charter holder. I work um, for a company called Moffitt Nathanson, which is um, a research boutique. And um, it's a firm that we started seven and a half years ago. Um, And um, our sort of area of expertise is media, telecom, internet, um, and more recently, the payments industry and IT services. And so we have um, analysts who are kind of world-renowned experts in these areas. They publish research and we host events which invite our our clients to. And our clients are um, asset management firms. Um, That could be like a mutual fund complex or a sovereign state, uh, sovereign fund or a hedge fund. And our competition is companies that you'll know. Um, so you probably wouldn't know of Moffat Nathanson unless like you watch CNBC all the time or you're reading research, um, um, you know, on, on the telecom or media industry. Our competition is Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, the bulge bracket investment banks that have lots of businesses, one of which is a research business. But they also will have investment banking activities, trading operations. They'll have their own asset management firm uh, businesses. We we are very specific focused on research. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So we can start right at the beginning of your journey. What college did you choose and what did you major in? And did you always know you wanted to major in that? Oh, yeah. Great, great question. So... Um, Paige told me that you majored in uh, Greek literature. Well, yes, I, I was a double major in classics and uh, English literature. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, I went to Denison University for undergraduate and um, I was given very good advice um, in for me, which was study something that you are interested in. Don't think about it in terms of like, how it's going to help you get a job, you know, and I just enjoyed studying, reading and, um, and the classics, which is really a lot of like history and and literature. It's, it's very much that way. So um, I'm just wondering, how did you go from like, just basically following a major that you were interested in to knowing that you wanted to do um, sales in like research and analysis for data? 
in 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 finance right yeah. right right because that there's there's no obvious link at all between those two it um did you know I, I the way i looked at it was um that i really didn't know what i wanted to do during college so i didn't really worry that much about it to be honest i just kind of was like i'm gonna go to college i'm gonna do that and then i'll figure out and, and along the way i became interested in literature and publishing um and so i said to myself well why don't i try to get a job in the publishing industry and i did um for a magazine publishing company called harris publications and i did that for five years during that time i took my mba at night at fordham and at the end of the mba i learned a lot about sort of business and um sales and so i was selling advertising and um i then developed some skills through the mba and some perspective and i said to myself well okay it's fine selling ads in a magazine that's a nice job and i can keep doing that and that's wonderful or i could sell other products and um that might be more lucrative and more interesting and um research and institutional equity, the institutional brokerage business is just so fascinating because what you're selling is a research product that means you're constantly learning new things. Whereas in magazine publishing, it was sort of like, we have these readers on average, they're this age on average, here's how much education they have. Here's how, you know, what they're interested in. It was very fixed. There wasn't a lot of complexity to what I was selling. I, I would try to adopt that to the companies and, and try to point them in the right direction and be helpful to them. But in this job, it's just constantly learning, you know, and um, and so the product is is very, very interesting and that's appealing to me and it makes the job kind of fun. How do you help yourself to keep learning? Because it, after college, you have to stay on track with research and to understand all the information that's coming in. Yeah, well, that's a great question. Uh, I would say that doing doing what is is sort of easy and safe is taking a choice of like saying I'm not going to learn as much as I could if I put myself in a sort of more stressful, uh, challenging position. And so, the learning comes from reading a lot of uh, things like the newspaper. Um, the Wall Street Journal, but but then our product. So this morning, early this morning, I read a 15-page report on a company called American Tower. And um, for the last five years, I've read every report on that company that we've published. And um, and so you 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 sort of through reading. That's how 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 basically the learning is sort of coming at you. Um, but the more important thing is it's easy just to go through the motions of, all right, I read everything and I've known it. And, and, but to actually um, create maybe um, a particular email or to ask for a meeting where you're presenting the research with people that would say, well, normally I would just talk to the analyst. So you're the salesperson. You really want to present to me. Um, Kind of forcing yourself into situations like that f requires you to take the next sort of level, your level, your game up. 
every time you have a feeling of a sort of nervousness and, and, and nervous feelings are correlated with good things. That's, that's something that for sure that I've, I believe in. You guys probably, you know, uh, have that with school and with work challenge with your work, I would imagine your summer jobs and whatnot. Um, things you get nervous when you're doing something new and where it's like, do I really know this well enough? Um, so that that's a good feeling to keep in front of you throughout your career. Because it feels so good once you achieve it and you finally know what it feels like. Exactly. And you raised your, your game to a, a level where your competition isn't and um, and people recognize that and admire it. And it's like pushing yourself out of your comfort zone a little. It always, Precisely. It always like the risk versus reward is always fulfilling afterwards. Precisely. The thing that um, where it's very easy for me to get, you know, that nervous feeling is in negotiations. So it's very easy for us to sort of be very, quite agreeable and say, sure, we love you. We'll do it that way. Here's what you'll pay us. And, you know, but if you, if you say, this is not, this is not working for us, we have a problem. We need to have a meeting. Um, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, is this client going to say, well, we have a problem with you. And, um, you know, we're insulted that you're coming here telling us about your problem. And so you, you, you sort of, you're taking a risk by negotiating hard. And you mentioned that you got your MBA from Fordham. So why did you decide to pursue your MBA and what was your experience like? So I did it at night, um, Pragya, and it was, it was, um, it was very good sort of for, from a work ethic standpoint of view in the sense that I would do my day job, which was just a full-time job. And then it was like, all right, let's, let's drink some coffee and go to college at night. And you were, you know, you were tired and you were kind of like, Oh, um, but for doing that, I did that for three years, basically is how long it took to get it part-time. Um, it kind of showed you what you can do, um, and that you could handle it. And then when you took that away, it, it kind of gave me confidence of, okay, now's the time I can make this move to, the better job, you know, now that I have the perspective. Um, the only reason I was able to sort of get the job at Sanford Bernstein um, that I got was, uh, it wasn't that I had an MBA from Fordham. It wasn't that I went to Denison University. Those were, were not really particularly distinguished institutions relative to the people that they hire. Um, it was, um, I had a good track record at selling advertising. And um, part of that, and this is a real secret that I'll share with you is, is having the, your predecessor be incompetent is a great thing. Okay. So if you get a job after someone is really bad, you can, you can make things look like, you know, unbelievable. And so I had that actually. And when I told people in the interview process about that, they, could tell that it was true, the growth that we were able to experience. And that was the reason why I was able to get the job. And so then um, what happens is 17 years go by and I work at this company. And um, at the end of the 17 years, um, a group of us or, or these two star analysts decide, okay, we're gonna leave and start our own company. And so then they look around and they say, who do I know? Who do I trust? 
and um, who would be good to start this company with me? And um, I was very lucky uh, that I that I was sort of in that group uh, of with two other people. From my perspective, is a very special group of people that that really like each other, trust each other, work well together, and have been able to have a, a nice business. But it was it was nice because we all worked together for a long time, and I think that's the way a lot of companies are started. So it was built on a very strong foundation because it was built off of like years of knowing one another. Precisely, all of the, the the least that we knew each other was was that we worked one person only worked with us for ten years. You know, like, so it was, it was a long history and, um, we knew, we knew what was good and bad about each of us. And, um, and that was nice. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about high level, what you do, but what does a typical day look like for you? Good question. Okay. So, um, so I have, a. uh, a large number of clients that are based in London and New York and the mid Atlantic. And, um, we are publishing research, which we're distributing to those clients. And, um, and so one of the most basic things that I do is package the research. You know, uh, if it's a 15 page report, it's probably better not to send a 15 page email to someone. It's better to condense it down to here's here's a page. Um, and, and these exhibits are the, are the most important ones. And then if they're interested, they'll open it up. So, um, early in the morning, I'm reading research. Then I'm sending that research out to clients around eight o'clock in, in sort of a format that works for them. And then during the day, um, we'll have clients that'll ask to speak with our analysts. They'll ask me for other pieces of research. They'll ask if we know, if I know the answer to certain questions, I may be able to answer those directly, or I may go to the analyst and have them help with a response. And then today at 11 o'clock, we hosted um, a corporate access event. So this was with the former CEO of Showtime, which I'm sure you guys all know, Ray Donovan and Homeland. Um, so this is the person that ran that business within CBS. And um, we've known him for many, many years, not me personally, but Michael Nathanson, who's the media analyst. And so Michael, we did a Zoom with 20 clients and um, Matthew Blank. Um, and we were able to talk to Matthew and ask him questions and hear his thoughts on things like Netflix versus HBO Max versus Paramount Plus, which is being developed by the CBS Viacom and um, Apple TV and the challenges of um, a customer being able to say, well, I'm done with Paramount, I'm gonna turn it off right now versus in the old days, you had to call Comcast or, or Charter. Um, and so that was 11 to 12. Um, and then there's, there's the, um, the, the, the process of, of finding new clients. And so that's an, that's a constant every day. There's there's effort, efforts of identifying who would be a good client of our firm, and how do I market our services to them and inspire them to subscribe? And so the client base generally is about 500 institutions around the world that are the really big uh, asset managers, and then some other groups like consultants and investment banks and. So you kind of know who they are, 
And um, you might not know the people, but that's your job to figure that out. Um, and one way to identify like who would be a good client of Moffat Nathanson would be to look at the stocks that we cover compared to the holdings of the asset management firm. So when someone has a large dollar value of exposure to names that we cover, that's that's the best indicator of a fit. So we then approach them through email and um, through Bloomberg um, and in person in the old days before COVID. Um, yeah, those are some of the things. Yeah, I just had a quick follow-up. Um, so how has COVID impacted your work? Yeah, well, um, the, um, the interaction um, has gone very smoothly um, with Zoom and using conference calls uh, and WebExes. Um, and so most of our clients are still working from home. We, our company has been working from home since the middle of March. And, um, you know, it really hasn't affected our business. It's been, we're, we're very fortunate that we're able to conduct our business, um, you know, without much, really any inter interaction. Um, but it, things are virtual now. So we'll host a conference, uh, Pragya, that uh, will have 500 clients attend this conference and have the same companies, the CEOs of the same companies, talk as if they're in um, the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in, in a large ballroom addressing an audience of 300 people. The nice thing is people in London and Australia and, you know, all over Europe and all over the country are just at their home participating in a conference um, and listening to the same conversation. So, um, yeah, it, it, it has it has caused a lot of volatility in the stock market, which um, if our clients get that right, that's great. You know, if they're on the wrong side of that, that can impair their business and that can limit their ability to pay us. Um, but in general, it's it hasn't really been a problem. Yeah. And how have you been able to create business relationships and maintain them? And what tips would you give for networking for college students? Yeah. So um, coming up with things that are useful for the client. Are the, are the key. So that, let's say you didn't have a good product. You would be saying, well, I'm going to deliver a steak to your house tonight and a bottle of wine, and you're going to be, you know, sort of um, entertaining to establish relationships. The better the product is, the less dependent it is on entertainment and more on this tangible um you know, I'm helping you with um, your with your challenges. And so being thoughtful and creative and figuring out ways that you can help your clients is the key. So one thing that that I do is I, I cover a large number of clients and I'll have them. Um, this isn't selling our product, but this is something that is very helpful for them is that I'll say we're going to have um, a telecom media technology ideas event where I'm going to invite um, 10 investors from London and New York and the Mid-Atlantic who are really thought leaders in the TMT investing area. 
to share each one idea, a buy or a sell. And so all of a sudden, this one client is in the room with nine other people that maybe they really admire, six of them, and they say, oh, it's great to, to finally meet you. And you're facilitating basically a meeting um, of people that are exchanging ideas. And so that's something that I do a lot of. Um, and it's not really selling a product. It's just coming up with a way to help clients. Um, in terms of networking uh, from college, um, I think the three of you are in a great position in the sense that coming from UVA, it's such a prestigious school um, that, you know, um, people in, in all industries are looking for talent and uh, coming out of UVA, it has a lot of top spent to it, you know? So um, I think it is um, the way you're proactively just sort of communicating with me and, you know, saying we should, could we do this interview? Um, that's the, that's the approach is you just reach out and, um, communicate with people, ask them, uh, to talk to you. Um, ideally not everything is an ask. Some things are like a, a sharing, you know, which is tricky, right? To say, all right, someone is in, in the software business, Juliana's, uh, father's business, you know, how do I approach them in some helpful, thoughtful way? It's, it's going to be tricky. Um, but um, I think making all communications be an ask, you don't want to do that. You want to, um, you want to share what you're up to um, and um, make it short and maybe make someone chuckle a little bit, not make it too, too serious. Um, but just being proactive, like when people just add a left field approach us, um, we admire that. And, you know, basically people who are in business know what it's like to not have a job and have the challenge of, of finding a job and, and, and that challenge. And so on the one hand, they, um, they want to be helpful. There's a, there's a sort of like a karma thing of like, it's appropriate to help people who are asking in the right way. So I think you'll find that those approaches out of left field and, and whatnot will be well-received. So kind of like having the courage to being, to, to being willing to like talk to someone or just like reaching out. That's like half of that. Precisely. That's exactly it. It's just, it's just to say, you don't know me, but I'm really interested in learning something about your company or from you. And I was wondering if, you know, and, and it turns out that we went to the same high school or the same college, um, those sorts of connections help a lot. A lots of college students are applying to internships and jobs right now. So what advice would you give to them or what qualities are employee employers sure. looking for? Sure. So let's just say you're interested in getting into management consulting. First, I would look at that industry and say, okay, um, there's Boston Consulting, there's McKinsey, there's Accenture, um, there's PwC, there's, there's here are the players in the industry. So you want to identify that. And then you want to sort of look at like, is there a geographic reality? Okay. So if I'm, if I'm thinking about Austin, Texas, which is ever exploding as a, as a city and an area and, and jobs, 
who's in Austin, Texas? If I'm thinking of Salt Lake City, okay, there's a bunch of technology companies there all of a sudden. Like you wouldn't have thought that 10 years ago or five years ago. Um, so you may say, all right, I know what industry I'm interested in, software, say. So Austin, New York, especially Silicon Valley, you know, think about the geography, then think of who's there, and then think of how do I communicate with them and how do I have something to say? So then to study and, and to, to learn about PaaS and SaaS and uh, on-premise software and to be able to sort of like have some clue as to what they do and what the, the trends are in the industry. So like equip yourself with learning so that you can, can have a conversation about whatever business you're interested in getting into. That's, that's key because people will be impressed if the questions that are being asked are thoughtful questions about trends in the industry and share shifts as opposed to what is that? What is, you know, you know what I mean? Come prepared and study the opportunity from a industry perspective and then maybe a geography perspective and then, you know, have a, have a sense as, okay, who is, who's rep, how do I rank order these companies? Is, is McKinsey better than Boston Consulting or the other way around? Or, you know, how does um, DXC fit into um, consulting? Uh, have a sort of sense of what is JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Moffat Nathanson? How do, you know, never heard of this Moffat Nathanson, but I've heard of these two. What's strong about each of them? And the more of that information, then you'll have better conversations. And, you know, if, if one wants to, the best, the best sort of ways to get someone's attention is, is to have something to share. So if I'm talking to say a client of mine, who's, who's looking for a new job, what I would say to them is, well, okay, you want to be hired by someone that is owns an asset management firm. How do you get their attention? Well, you may, you may have a reputation that may help you. You may reach out to them and they may say, sure, I'll, I'll see you. Or you could call up and say, I want to share some work that I've done on this company, um, which I think is a great short or a, a great buy. And what is shared by email in a file will either be uninteresting or it'll be interesting and thoughtful and it'll, it'll impress the person. So like in our business, that's a really quick way to get someone's attention is I have something you don't know. It's work that I've done and it's indicative of what I can do. Um, so that that's each industry and each job will have its own sort of um, Trojan horse, if you will, the, the thing that will get you in the door. And it may be your experience and talking about what you have done, but showing actually something tangible, um, at least in our business, is a great way to do, to do that. Um, we're kind of reaching the end now, but is there any parting advice you'd like to give our listeners? What would you recommend to those who are interested in pursuing finance or business, things like that? Yeah, I think that... Um, 
the most important things are um, to identify um, something that you're good at and that you would enjoy and um, and then to um, once you identify that and it may be that you don't know that until you actually do some things right so it's not as if there's it's just easy to identify um, what, what you're going to be good at um, but you want to do that and then you want to surround yourself with people that um, you admire and that you um, enjoy working with. Um, that's really important. You know, you could get everything else right and you're working with people that, that don't treat each other well. And that really would make the whole career at that company just not very satisfying. So uh, I think that's a real big one um, when you can identify what you're good at and identify a group of people that you admire, fit in with, trust, and um, and like. That's that's kind of that's the holy grail, and um, that's what you should be thinking about as you're finding jobs, knowing that in the beginning um, you may have to just take some leaps, and you may actually make some mistakes, and that's fine too. It's just everything is a building block on trying to get to that ideal career. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions we have. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a great conversation. And I feel like our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing this. Well, that's terrific. Well, thank you for having me. It's, a, it's been a pleasure and, um, and best of luck. And feel free to reach out if you have any other, other questions or anything I can do to help. Thank you so much, Mr. Towers. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye, Juliana. Bye.